0: Psalm 29, and we'll be reading from verse 1. A psalm of David. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. The voice of the Lord is over the waters. The God of glory thunders, the Lord over many waters. The voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is full of majesty. The voice of the Lord breaks the cedars. The Lord breaks the cedars of Lebanon. He makes Lebanon to skip like a calf, and Syrian like a young wild ox. The voice of the Lord flashes forth flames of fire. The voice of the Lord shakes the wilderness. The Lord shakes the wilderness of Kadesh. The voice of the Lord makes the deer give birth and strips the forest bare and in his temple All cry, glory. The Lord sits enthroned over the flood. The Lord sits enthroned as king forever. May the Lord give strength to his people. May the Lord bless his people with peace.
1: Acts chapter 15, starting at verse 36. And after some days, Paul said to Barnabas, let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord and see how they are. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John, called Mark. But Paul thought best not to take with them one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and had not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Paul came also to Derbe and to Lystra. A disciple was there named Timothy, the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. He was well spoken of by the brothers at Lystra and Iconium. Paul wanted Timothy to accompany him, and he took him and circumcised him because of the Jews who were in those places, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they went on their way through the cities, they delivered to them for observance the decisions that had been reached by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily.
2: Well I wonder have you ever been on a Christian conference let's say or you were involved in some outreach initiative as Christians and by the end of it you're on a real high. Maybe they'd been impressive and helpful Bible teaching, inspiring, the singing had been heartwarming, and just spending time with other believers like that alongside them, learning together, maybe serving together, praying together. You're just buzzing. The gospel is great. Jesus is so amazing. But then Monday morning, normal routine resumes. Of course, you know the gospel is still just as great. Jesus is just as amazing. But life just, well, you know, seems so humdrum. All those routine tasks to be done, those same things just don't seem quite so straightforward anymore. You know those truths are still vitally important. You know they do need to shape your life. But, but what does that look like day by day, week by week? Today's the final instalment for now in our series in the book of Acts. Last week we were at the Jerusalem Council and that was a big deal and the big names were there. Paul and Barnabas, Peter, James, the other apostles and the elders. And they'd been of one mind, they'd been united, they'd seen the way ahead. So Paul and Barnabas at the end with others went on their way. But now they needed to do, well, that continuing in ministry, this gospel ministry but what was that now going to look like in practice day by day and week by week now all of us have gospel ministry to do ourselves and to support in others not only those of us who are set aside christian workers but all christians whether studying at school or working at the desk in the office or traveling to the school gate each day or wherever else and Those are the places where the ministry, those truths about Jesus and the gospel need to be worked through in practice. But how? So in Acts, we've had the Jerusalem Council. We've had lots of other dramatic moments like Pentecost, the conversion of Saul. But today's verses, well, they're more like taking stock, really. There's no standout event. But they may be just what we need to help us see how to serve day by day, regular gospel ministry four characteristics to highlight first proclaiming the word verse 36 and after some days Paul said to Barnabas let us return and visit the brothers in every city where we proclaimed the word of the Lord so at this point Paul is kind of concluding what's often called his first missionary journey we have followed him around which of these places do you remember Seleucia Salamis and Paphos on Cyprus He's been to Perga, Antioch, um, Iconium, Lystra, and Derby. So a whole range of places and ministering to Jews and Gentiles. No doubt he has all sorts of things he could say that happened, various challenges. No doubt he did lots of different things as well. But here's his summary. What was constant at the heart of all the efforts wherever he went? Well, He tells us they proclaimed the word of the Lord. Of course they did, because in Acts chapter 1, we saw Jesus was the one who set the agenda. You might remember, he told his disciples, the risen Jesus, he told them to wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit would empower them to, quote, be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And as we've gone through our series, that's what we have seen the apostles and others do wherever they went. This priority to speak the word of the Lord. Remember when Peter and John were told by the authorities to shut up and threatened, they replied by saying, we cannot but speak of what we've seen and heard. Just a bit later, those disciples said it is not right that we should give up preaching the word of God. The next chapter, we heard Stephen preaching, actually giving a Bible overview, and he was killed for it. Then we saw that Cornelius, the Gentile, also needed to hear the word, and so God got Peter to go and tell it to him. And then just recently in chapter 14, you'll remember Paul got stoned for his efforts. He was left for dead. Do you remember what happened the next day? He got up and preached the word of the Lord. So it's obvious in this series and acts we've seen the priority is clear. In fact, without the proclamation of the word of God, there is no gospel ministry taking place. And so today, whenever the word is heard, it might happen in a pulpit or in a small group Bible study, in a coffee shop, on a street corner, in a conference room, at lunchtime, at the school gate, at a carol service. If the word is heard, well, gospel ministry is taking place. So that's at the heart of gospel ministry, proclaiming The word. But with that emphasis now firmly in place, what more do we now see in this passage, in these verses, about gospel ministry? Well, it will mean working alongside others. Now, one of the great joys of gospel ministry is working alongside others. One of the great challenges of gospel ministry is working alongside others. Now, gospel partnership can and often does work really well. We've seen that in Acts. We were introduced to Barnabas early on, and it turns out he really is a legend, to use a technical term. We met him very early on in Acts. He was giving sacrificially, to generously, to meet the needs of others. And then when the notorious persecutor of churches, that is Saul, was dramatically converted, well, there was an understandable wariness But not for Barnabas. Barnabas spoke up in his defence and welcomed him in. And from there, the relationship flourished. Paul and Barnabas were a dream team, the ant and deck, really, of gospel ministry. They travelled together, they served together. We read how they suffered hardships and persecutions together. Such an asset to the early church and to missionary endeavour which means what we read here would have come as such a shock to the Jerusalem and wider community. Verse 37. Now Barnabas wanted to take with them John called Mark, but Paul thought best not to take with them, one who had withdrawn from them in Pamphylia and not gone with them to the work. And there arose a sharp disagreement, so that they separated from each other. Barnabas took Mark with him and sailed away to Cyprus, But Paul chose Silas and departed, having been commended by the brothers to the grace of the Lord. And he went through Syria and Cilicia. No doubt, as news of this got out, people would be shocked. How could this happen to Paul and Barnabas? The issue is John Mark. This is the Mark that probably wrote Mark's Gospel in our Bibles. But at this point, Paul and Barnabas clearly had quite a frank exchange of views, as they say, about John Mark. A few choice words were used, although we're not told exactly what they were. We can imagine, I think, maybe the arguments on both sides. You can imagine Paul says to Barnabas, look, we just can't trust John Mark. He deserted us before. Barnabas saying, no, sure, I agree John Mark made a mistake, but we need to encourage him. After all, Paul, You know, you didn't have a great track record yourself, and we trusted you. Paul comes back, well, maybe, but it's far too soon for this. Barnabas, no, he's changed. Having him with us could be just the making of him. No doubt, on it went, and maybe got stronger as well. So we think, well, who was right on this issue? I'm not sure we're meant to be able to tell. All we know is, however that discussion went, they simply couldn't sort it out. Now, let's just make sure we're clear what Barnabas and Paul weren't disagreeing about. They weren't disagreeing about the gospel, nor were they disagreeing about the overall strategy, which is the need to go and proclaim the word of God. Rather, the point of contention was in a seemingly small issue, the details of, well, how to do that, and in particular, who to do it with, but they'd obviously reached an impasse. Now you read the New Testament, you read Acts, really, and it's obvious. The emphasis for us is to pursue unity, not only in what we understand and the doctrine, the truth, but also in practice. If that's been broken because of a sin in a relationship, well, of course we must pursue forgiveness and reconciliation. And I take it that did happen with Paul and Barnabas. But even if that reconciliation does happen. Sometimes there's still a disagreement that remains. Both sides think they're right, the other is wrong. It's not a gospel issue, but there is a question on the best way to do things. You could just imagine everyone else telling Paul and Barnabas, come on, knock your heads together, sort this out. It's not that big a deal. But each thought they were right, the other was wrong. And of course, John Mark had to go or stay. A decision had to be made. Well, it's true that sometimes in gospel ministry, sadly, disagreements like this will remain. But what then can happen, which is all the more sad, is when one or both parties get so hung up on this issue, they basically stop doing gospel ministry, for whatever reason. But wonderfully, that's not what happens with Paul and Barnabas. We see they each form new teams. Because after all, gospel ministry by yourself is very difficult. And with their new teams, they head their separate ways and continue in gospel ministry. They both keep going in proclaiming the word of the Lord. So there are lessons for us here when we have different ideas with other Christians about how best to go about doing gospel ministry or work hard at reconciliation if need be, at agreement if we can. But if it's a non-gospel issue, well, of course, seek compromise where that is possible. And if we do, then that practical unity where there was disagreement will be a great witness to many. But if that disagreement remains, ensure there's personal reconciliation. So then if in the end, at this point, you go your separate ways, you can still support one another in it. Now I wonder, what do you think? Did Barnabas and Paul still send each other their ministry updates? Did they pray for one another? I'm sure they did. Wouldn't be surprised at all. And when such a Christian relationship remains like that, often in God's kindness there is a future then coming back together. It is so encouraging as we read on in the New Testament, the band gets back together. The great Paul and Barnabas are reunited. We find them again ministering side by side. And then this is very touching. In what is probably Paul's last letter, with his death, death it seems, fast approaching, he writes these words. Get Mark, bring him with you. He is useful to me for ministry. So work alongside others as you proclaim the word. Next, the importance in gospel ministry of gaining a hearing. Now, isn't hypocrisy a terrible thing? Prime example, take the Apostle Paul. Such a good man, such a wonderful ministry, endured such persecution wherever he went, took the gospel to those very different to him, the Gentiles, and when Jews wanted Gentile believers to be circumcised, he spoke up and stood firm. He fought it no way. We saw that in the Jerusalem Council last week. Do you remember? Salvation is all by grace, through faith, no place for us to contribute anything. So, of course, no need for circumcision. And at the end of that council, do you remember? Paul was charged to pass on the council's conclusions to others. And here in verse 4, we're told that's what he's doing. And yet, at the very same time as Paul was teaching that, can you see what he did? He only went and circumcised Timothy. Can you believe it? Social media would have gone bananas at this. What hypocrisy from the Apostle Paul? And I'm sure Luke has put it here to get us thinking. What's Paul doing? In fact, it actually gets worse. Not that long after this, Paul writes a letter to Galatia, in which he sets out his absolute refusal to have Timothy, uh, Titus, I'm sorry, circumcised. I mean he argues in like a red hot no way over my dead body sort of way are we going to circumcise Titus. He writes like this quote he says to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. But as we hear that maybe we'd point out but that's not what Paul did with Timothy. So is this hypocrisy? Well, let's have a look at the details, see what we find. So verse one, we're told Timothy's mum was a Jewish believer, but his father was a Greek, that is not Jewish. So although Timothy would have been considered a Jew because it came down the maternal line, he hadn't been circumcised. And now where Paul is about to head on his ongoing ministry, there would have been Jews, and Paul knew that. And to take along an uncircumcised Jew... Well, that would have been somewhat scandalous. And Timothy would have stuck out even before Paul or Timothy had opened their mouths, which is different to the situation in Galatia. Because Titus, you see, was a Gentile. There, the demand was Gentiles need to be circumcised to be Christian. Paul says, No way. That is to deny the gospel. In that situation, well, the gospel is at stake. Salvation is a free gift of grace received by faith but that's not the case at this point in Acts. What's at stake at this moment is not the gospel but the hearing of the gospel. If Timothy was circumcised then essentially that would become a dead issue, it would be forgotten, they could get on with gospel ministry but were Timothy to remain uncircumcised it would straight away cause unnecessary strife and controversy before you like they even got going with ministry so Paul he wanted to avoid that wanted to keep the door wide open for gospel ministry and so Timothy was circumcised now I hope as you thought about this maybe you read about this before you came this Sunday and you thought back to that Jerusalem council in fact this decision of Paul is not such a surprise Do you remember what we saw last week? When we turn to Christ, there are for everyone non-negotiable matters of obedience, simple obedience, like in the area of sexual morality. But there are also areas in which, in Christ, we have freedom, like in what to eat, because now in Christ all foods are clean. But still, do you remember the Jerusalem Council gave Gentiles instructions on what not to eat? Because the point was, the Gentiles were to use that freedom of being able to eat anything, but to use it not to please themselves, but for the good of their Christian Jewish brothers and sisters who are still getting used to the idea of Gentiles turning from idolatry. And here we're seeing Paul is again modelling that principle in getting Timothy circumcised. Use our freedoms for the good of others, so that the gospel can be heard and is given an open door. Well, if you think about this, if you read the rest of the New Testament, the tenor of Paul's teaching is that those who are not circumcised when they become Christians shouldn't get circumcised. That's what he seems to think in general. But it wasn't a hard and fast rule for every situation. And if we think about it, that must be right. Because if getting circumcised in the end is an area of freedom for the believer, It would be ironic if Paul allowed not getting circumcised to become an essential requirement additional to turning to Christ for being a Christian. If that became so hard and fast, not being circumcised, it could even undermine the gospel itself. And so for us, getting circumcised is not the issue, but we are all involved in gospel ministry. We want as many people as possible to hear the word, as many Christians as possible to be built up with the word. And especially, you might say, here in London, or if we ever go cross-culturally, that will be with all sorts of people different to us, different cultures, different backgrounds, different habits. So the question this passage is asking of us is, what changes are we willing to make? What personal inconveniences are we willing to go through for the sake of keeping that door open to gospel ministry. In areas where, in one sense, we have freedom either way, but we use our freedom for the sake of others. Think of poor Timothy. What a costly and painful decision to be circumcised. But he had a higher ambition. The question is, do we have a greater desire that overcomes our preference for comfort? and for ease. The good news of the gospel needs to advance. Remember last week as we tried to work our way through the Jerusalem Council we turned to 1 Corinthians for some more help. Well let's do that again this week. This is our only cross reference. Keep a finger in Acts 15 16. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. This is on page 1152. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Again the author is Paul and the apostle he's writing again on these issues page 1152 1 Corinthians chapter 9. I'm thinking about these things listen to what he says beginning to read at verse 19 he says for though I am free from all I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more of them. To the Jews I become as a Jew in order to win Jews. To those under the law I become as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. To those outside the law I become as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak I become weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some I do it all for the sake of the gospel that I might share with them in its blessings. And just look across to chapter 10 and verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, do all to the glory of God. Give no offence to Jews or to Greeks or to the church of God. Just as I try to please everyone in everything I do, not seeking my own advantage, but that of many that they may be saved be imitators of me as I am of Christ. Well, there's a reminder of our ultimate example, the Lord Jesus. He had no need to go to the cross for his own sake, but he chose that costly path for the sake of others, for us. And so we too are now freed to give of ourselves for the salvation of others. So proclaim the word work alongside others gain a hearing finally gospel ministry is about strengthening churches back to page 1114 now the apostle Paul he is very well known rightly so for his evangelistic efforts he was passionate to break new ground for the gospel we see that in the new testament and still today we need people like that but that's not all that there is to gospel ministry in fact far from it And Paul himself, the great apostle, knew this. We see this emphasis throughout our passage. Let's just pick out some of them. Verse 36. So Paul and Barnabas, they're aiming to retrace their first ministry journey, to go back to where they'd been before. Why? Well, it tells us, verse 36, to see how they are. What does that mean? Well, of course, they were friends. They had a warm relationship, super to see the guys again. But of course, what Paul means is to see how they are with the gospel to help them, to encourage them, to strengthen them. This was a pattern. Look down to verse 41. And Paul went through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening the churches. Then again, at the end of the next little section, chapter 16, verse 5. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. Now, that language there in verse 5, you might think, oh, that rings a bell in Acts, and it should do. It's one of these little summary statements that we've seen as we go through. So, remember that initial initial agenda Jesus gave at the beginning? Then, as we read through, we get to chapter 6, and we read this. The word of God continued to increase, and the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. Well, we keep reading, persecution forces the believers out of Jerusalem, but they took the word of God with them. And so, chapter 9, we got this summary. So the church throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria had peace and was being built up. It multiplied. Do you see how the stages of the agenda are being worked out? Next, we reach the Gentiles. And now, here in chapter, six, uh, chapter 12, gave us a summary. The word of God increased and multiplied. And now here, verse, uh, in chapter 16. Churches were strengthened in the faith and they increased in numbers daily. If you think about what we've read in Acts so far, if you imagine being on the ground day by day, well, there was difficulty, there was opposition, there was persecution, there were disagreements, there were setbacks. It was costly in so many ways. But here's the big picture the powerful gospel was being proclaimed and reaching new people and bringing them in, and the church was growing. Did you notice how, when I just read those summaries, the words word and church alternated? The word increased, the church multiplied, the word of God increased and multiplied, the church is strengthened and increased in numbers, Those two go hand in hand. So strengthening churches doesn't come at the expense of gospel advance. In fact, quite the opposite. Strong churches are what are needed for the spread of the word. Now, I often get asked as a church minister, what new outreach initiatives are you working on? And that is not a bad question at all. Please keep asking it. It needs to be on the agenda constantly. And yet, what takes up most of my time, and maybe rightly most of the time, is seeking to support and help and strengthen and encourage those who are already Christian with the word of God, to seek to strengthen the churches, this church, as the Apostle Paul did. And this is not just for me as a minister, it's for all of us. Yes, new gospel initiatives, pursue them but also make the effort week by week to get to that Bible study group, not just for your own sake, but determined to serve others there with the word. Yes, do meet up and give time to that Christian who is still struggling, who just needs support and help to hear the truths about Jesus again. Maybe you'll commit to that practical task regularly on a Sunday, so that others can benefit. Maybe you'll help with a Sunday school so the youngest can hear about Jesus. Maybe you'll serve on a committee, but knowing why you do it. These aren't glamorous things. They're time-consuming. They're costly. They are hard work. They are a commitment. You say no to other things, but yet they are vital. So that over time, in God's kindness, the church is strengthened. So let's persevere in true gospel ministry. Prioritise proclamation of the word. Work alongside others. Use our wonderful freedoms to gain a hearing for the gospel for the sake of others. And give ourselves to strengthening fellow believers. I'll lead us in a prayer. Father, we so praise you for this, your word, which does speak to us of all that you have done in Christ to bring to us forgiveness and life. Thank you that this word reached us. And so now would you strengthen each of us to join in this great work of gospel ministry. And we ask that would lead to Christians being strengthened in the faith, and then to those who do not yet know you, hearing the word and turning to Christ for his name's sake. Amen.